Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John. Book of John this morning. Book of John. If you've got John, turn over to chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're going to be continuing looking at our faith and our message. We've already went through three previous sermons in this series. I don't know how long the Lord will lead us to go on with that, but I do have the message for this morning continuing on. We've looked at answering specific questions that our faith and message, our doctrine, what is the teaching of the church shares. We've answered what is the Bible, who is God the Father, who is God the Son, or who is Jesus Christ. And then today, this morning, we're going to be looking at who is the Holy Spirit, and then tonight, the Lord has led me to go ahead and answer a question that we really haven't addressed yet in these messages is, what is the Trinity? And so we're going to be kind of uh, finding a break point and bringing all of the messages together tonight in a very important uh, sermon on what is the Trinity. It's a very central part of the Christian faith. And I believe you will find great benefit and encouragement to it. Maybe many questions will be answered tonight as we look into the Scripture as God and how He has revealed Himself. So I encourage you to be out tonight for that, 6 o'clock. But John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 is where we will take our beginning Scripture from today. And just hold your Bibles open as we look at many more scriptures. John says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank You, we praise You, Lord, we give You glory. And as we come to Your throne through the Word today, we pray and ask that we would be encouraged in our faith, that we would grow deeper, that our understanding would become clearer, and Lord, that Your ways and Your understanding would become our ways and understanding. God, we give You thanks and we give you praise for what we have heard today. And Lord, we pray and ask that you would help us to now focus upon the preaching of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, there was a young boy who was in a Sunday school class and he was drawing a picture. And he uh, was asked by the Sunday school teacher, what are you drawing? And the little boy replied, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the Sunday school teacher, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy said, well, they will when I'm finished. 
we sometimes get pictures of what God looks like in our mind. And as Dan shared, sometimes we get very wrong pictures. And we put God in a box. When we begin to think of God the Father, we might begin to get images of what Isaiah chapter 6 describes of God on the throne and, and all these majestic colors that fill the room and, and angels that are flying around the throne uh, singing holy, holy, holy. Maybe when we begin to get a picture of Jesus, the Son of God, we begin to think of uh, the different images we've seen. Movies might come to mind, or we might imagine Him as He's performing a miracle, or we might picture Jesus as He's on the cross or in the resurrection. These are images that begin to come to our mind, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we are a little bit less familiar with that. Oftentimes, we come to the Holy Spirit and we, we become very afraid to speak of Him, to address it, to almost look at it in a way that if you teach on it, preach on it, or say that you have the Holy Spirit in your life, that you might be considered fanatic. I don't know why we have this apprehension to preaching on the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit or talking that we are in that way, but it is. Now, Dad asked me a question a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I didn't really have an answer for him then, but I have a little bit better answer for you today. He asked me, he says, why is there the difference, or what is the difference between Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit? Why, why, why do we use both terms? And I, I, I said, well, I don't think there's really a major difference between the two. And guess what? I was right. <laughs> the real difference between the two, if you're wondering, it's just in case you're refer wondering, or if I go interchangeable and say you've got to have the Holy Ghost or you've got to have the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the same thing. Ninety times in the New Testament, they use the word Holy Ghost, and seven times throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament, they refer to the Holy Spirit. And it's the same word that they translate it from. What's the difference? Well, two reasons that I found. One reason is when they, came, uh, when they translated the King James, they used committees. One committee used the Spirit, and one committee used the committee, or the, used the ghost more often. The other reason why they gave, and I like this one, is that the word ghost, when you see it, is no doubt, uh, no doubt referring to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, whereas Spirit, Holy Spirit, such as in the 51st Psalm, uh, where it says, let not thy, what is it, Sam? Holy Spirit, depart from me. It's lowercase. Because it's not referring to simply the third person, but the fullness of God's presence. And so there's the distinction that's possible there. But I wonder if that's part of the reason why we don't like talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Because in our day and time, ghost has a very negative connotation to it. When I think of ghost, I'm thinking of something normally that comes after a person's dead. 
or something uh, that, that would be a spook or something that would scare you. I mean, I grew up singing the song, uh, uh, Who You Gonna Call? Ghostbusters. I mean, I, that, that was my, my childhood, was all of that. I'm, 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 all, I'm all geeked out that they got a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. But I wonder if that's part of it. If you do hear that and you say, well, should I use spirit or ghost? It doesn't matter. Ghost, when they were translating the King James in their day and time in 1611 in that um, Elizabethan language that they use, that, that, that Shakespearean type sound, a ghost simply meant the presence of a person or the living essence of a person. And so they, they didn't think of a spook or a specter or anything like that. It's, it, it's interchangeable when it comes down to the meaning. But again, what do you know of the Holy Spirit? What do you know of the third person of the Trinity? The fullness of God. He came after Jesus. And that's what we read today in verse 13 of John 16. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. He came after Jesus. Jesus would send the Holy Spirit to us. When we begin to read all of the Scriptures about the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Ghost, we begin to realize that the, whole, the Scripture does not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Such as John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring you things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And so the Holy Spirit is never referred to as some impersonal force, as some simple power that is given to you, such as what the Jehovah Witnesses teach, He is not just another mode that the Father or the Son appears in. The Holy Spirit possesses all the attributes and character of God. He is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and holy. He is eternal, immutable, unchanging, righteousness, uh, just, and loving. He is the third person of the Holy Trinity. It makes it very important for us to understand how we relate to Him and how He relates to the Father and to the Son. And so to do that, we need to understand two things. The person and nature of the Holy Spirit and then the work of the Holy Spirit. So what is His person? What is He like? First off, we begin to realize you can fellowship with the Spirit. You can have a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. How? Well... We're told that we can be led by Him in Romans chapter 8. And that if we are led by the Spirit, we are indeed the children of God. And it is the Spirit that actually enables us to cry, Abba, Father. To have a relationship with the Son and with the Father. We're able to lie to the Holy Spirit, Acts 5.3, or resist Him, Acts 7.51. We can grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4.29-32, or we can completely quench His presence in our life, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 
We can see Him throughout the course of history in Genesis chapter 1 and 1 and 2. We see that as God created the world, created everything that you and I see, verse 2 of Genesis 1 says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. In Luke chapter 4.14, we see Him involved in the ministry of Jesus. In fact, the gift of the Holy Spirit was increasingly unfolded in Jesus' lifetime on earth. He had a particular intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Him in Luke chapter 1 verse 35. Jesus was led by the Spirit in Matthew 4.1. He was anointed for His ministry by the Spirit in a special way at His baptism in Matthew 5, uh, 3 verses 3 through 17. He offered Himself as a sacrifice through the Spirit, Hebrews 9.14. And He was raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit, Romans 1.4. He gave commandments to the apostles and threw them to the church by the Spirit, Acts 1-2. Finally, following His death and resurrection, Jesus gave His disciples His last instructions to wait for the promise or the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be filled or endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And so 50 days after the Sabbath of the Passover week, when they celebrated this, this gift came. That feast was called Pentecost, meaning 50. It was the day of the Jewish Feast of Harvest to give thanks to God. And the Holy Spirit entered into the room and into the lives of those individuals and has been the guide of the church since then. There is no doubt in Scripture about the person and nature of the Holy Spirit. But what is His work? And I think this is where we want to take our time. And this is where we really understand who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. Four things. First off, the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. Again, look at John 16. Verse 13, as it opens up here. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. The Spirit of truth is come. That's another name of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is leading us into what is right into what is real. Did you know that the way that the Holy Spirit leads you into truth, there's so many ways that He does this. One, did you know that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Old Testament and the New Testament? The Word of God is truth, and it comes by the authorship of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity did this. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word inspiration, theophnustos in the Greek, means God breathed, the breath of God. The Spirit of God brought us the Word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Scripture is the work of the Spirit of truth. 
It is God's Word. There is no lie in it. There is no shortcoming in it. There is no error. There is no contradiction. And everything that it speaks to about life is full of the truth of God. So God reveals His truth through the Spirit by the Word. Meaning people say, well, I, I can't hear God talking to me. I would like to hear a word from God. But yet they refuse to open their Bible. God speaks to us every day. When we open the Word of God, He reveals Himself to us and what He wants us to know about Him and what He wants us to know about ourselves, about our world, and the most important thing, how to have a relationship with Him. It's in the Word of God. In fact, that's the prerequisite for salvation. Faith, we come to Him in faith, but where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. To hear the truth. And as the revealer of truth, the Spirit of truth, it is the Holy Spirit that delivers and speaks our prayers before God. Romans 8, 26-27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you pray, the Holy Spirit is the messenger. It's not an angel that takes your prayers to the Lord. It is the Spirit of God. It is God Himself catching your prayers bringing them before the Father in heaven and interprets them, speaks them to God. And the Spirit knows your heart, knows the heart of God, and brings the two together in your prayers. Isn't that encouraging? Because as the writer said there in Romans 8, when there's groanings and utterings, when you are not able to speak when you don't know what to say. The Spirit itself makes intercessions for us with groanings and utterings. You get that? When I'm groaning in prayer, it's because I'm overwhelmed in the urgency and in the complications of it. But the Holy Spirit groans with you. The Holy Spirit is not this well, what was the guy's name? Uh, he, 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 he was boring as can be in his uh, demeanor. Ben, ben, ben Stein? Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Just talks real plain. Monotone. Well, Kathy's praying, Father, for help today. No, the Holy Spirit is filled with emotion, with groanings, when He is taking our prayers before the Lord and says, Father, Kathy, she's going through a difficult time. We can't, let's do something. Let's, let's give her grace that is sufficient for her need right now. Let's move upon her situation. And the Lord moves because of the heart, the revealer of truth, knows the truth that we need and knows the truth of the Father's heart towards us. And as a revealer of truth, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. James 1, 5-6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that he giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
but let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. If you want wisdom, the Holy Spirit will deliver you wisdom. You say, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Because it comes from the Father above. James 3, 14 through 18 says, But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It is the Spirit that brings you wisdom. There's been times in my life where I didn't know what to do. And I prayed, God, help me make a decision. Help me understand what is going on here. I've done this when I've looked at scriptures and say, Lord, I don't know what you're wanting me to preach on. I can't get away from the scripture. Can you reveal something to me? Can you give me wisdom when I'm approaching your scripture, when I'm making decisions out on the everyday parts of life? There's been times when I've been in the classroom with a student who has been giving me a headache cold day, and I say, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this child, with this student, and the, I pray, God, give me something to say to deal with the situation. Let me Give me some direction on how to redirect this child. And the Spirit opens up our mind and gives us something that we never thought of before, gives us direction in our hearts because He reveals truth and gives wisdom. That's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit is the enabler of faith. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. If we go back to our opening scripture in John chapter 16 and look at some other passages, it says in verse 8, And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. It is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction that leads to repentance and faith. We can go through and I can, I can share with you all kinds of scary stories of people that have died and had brushes with death and have felt the, the, felt the flames of hell and have testified of that. We can, we can share all kinds of things that would emotionally move you and affect your decision, but that would be shallow. See, churches today that rely on all kinds of gimmicks to get people to make a profession of faith, but yet without the gimmicks, without all those things, they fall short and they turn away from it. Because it wasn't the Spirit that actually moved in their life. It wasn't the Spirit producing faith in them. Because when we are faithful to do what God has told us to do, such as the preaching of the Word or the proclamation, whether it's through singing or teaching or through preaching or through the life that we live, the Spirit will go and enter into a person's heart and He will reprove the sin. He will bring conviction. This is why a sinner can simply be reading the Word of God and become overwhelmed with conviction 
Because it's the Spirit's presence. It's the Spirit's work in their heart and in their mind. John 3, John 3, when we look at Nicodemus, we see him told by Jesus, you've got to be born again. How are you born again? Not by going into your mother's womb a second time. Not born of the flesh, but born of the Spirit which is above. It is the Spirit that produces life in us. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. The only way you can use, speak faith, that make a profession of true faith, is if the Spirit of God enables you. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power. What kind of power is that? It's not Superman power, because I am severely lacking in that area. We uh, was working on clearing some weeds, and uh, some vines that was... Um, growing over here by the fence, and Matt and myself and Kurt and Jim and John and Nikki were all over there, and we were doing our best to try and pull those vines. And we were intertwined into the fence, and we were pulling, and we were pulling, and we were pulling, and I, we could have prayed, Lord, give us Samson-like strength. And it would have helped because I ended up on my backside one time trying to pull so hard on the vine and it just pulled, it didn't break, it just pulled out of the fence and I ended up sitting down. And then they all just had a good laugh at me, said I was sitting on the job. That's not the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's power, love, sound mind, that looks at the fearful things in the world and says, you cannot harm me. Fear not what man can do to you. Fear not what man can do to your body, but fear the Lord who can destroy both body and soul in hell. God has not given us a spirit of fear of the things of this world, the spirit of fear of what people can do to us, a spirit of fear of, of falling back into the power of sin. We have power above that. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do what's not easy, to go through the tough times in life, to take risks. There are times when the Spirit has empowered my body, when I've been tired and weak, and He has given me strength to get up, one of my favorite testimonies, and I've heard it time and time again, is a preacher's. My grandfather was one of the first ones that I heard say it, and probably the most impactful in my young life. When he was going through cancer and his body was racked with pain, he would get up here and say, the only time my body does not hurt is when I'm preaching. Because it was the Spirit of God coming upon him in those moments. He can touch our body. But where do we see 
Him giving us power. Where do we see the work of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What is the fruit of the Spirit working in a person's life when a person is filled with the Holy Ghost? You'll see fruit. You'll see results. You'll see something take place. And it's the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, the goodness, faith, meekness, and and endurance, moderation that comes in their life. That's one way that we see His power. To see somebody that was filled with hate and bitterness to be filled with love and joy. That's a work of God. That's the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11 talks about how the Spirit comes and enables us to perform ministry and to work in the service of the kingdom. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work of the one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as He will. The Spirit is what enables you to serve. And it's a gift. You know, God is the giver of all good gifts. That means that you didn't do anything to earn it. He just freely gave it. The Spirit is at work in your life and has something for you to do even if you don't have the ability yourself to do it or any way to earn it to say, I need to be doing this. Dan, you you testified about how you you said, I don't want that gift. I don't want that work. But guess what? The Holy Spirit came to you and said, here's a gift. Here's a calling in your life. Here's something to do at your, 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 your age in life. Right? He told me his age. I wasn't going to say it. The Spirit does that. Because he says it's not in your body, it's not in your mind, it's in my ability, and it's my work of power in your life. Those of you that have watched me when I was a kid know that I was as shy as could be, that I was quiet and you can't shut me up because that's the power of God in me. That's what God does. He transforms. That's the power. And lastly, number four, His work is that the Holy Spirit is your ultimate guide. Again, John 16, 13, Howbeit when the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He he will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit will teach you the Word of God. First off is what we see in this passage. Jesus says, I've told you disciples a whole bunch of stuff. And you'll forget it. In your own ability, you'll forget. 
Wally, you know what it's like to forget some stuff? I forget stuff all the time. I have notes that I preach from. And you know what? I will finish a sermon and think, man, I forgot to preach on something that I had wrote down. We forget. But what Jesus was saying here, you might forget, but the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your memory when you need it. He will guide you into all truth. And He's going to share with you and teach you what He has heard of the Father and of the Son. And He's going to lead you into that. And He's going to show you things to come. And He's speaking specifically to the disciples who will prophesy. But He will guide us in life. And there's three different words real quick that are used throughout the Scripture to describe the way He guides. First off, He guides us by giving us comfort. He guides us by comforting us along life's journey. Where's one of my kids? Are they all asleep? Got Mary, come here. Come here up to the, come up here with Daddy. See, when the Holy Spirit brings into us life. He begins to guide us by giving us comfort. Mary, I want you to stand over there. And where, where's Papal? Papal, come up here. He tried, he tried to get to the back of the church. I'm going to make him come back up front. Come up here. Papal's going to come and be a big bad wolf. Okay? It's scary to the child of God, right? But the Holy Spirit comes and comforts us and says, let's keep walking this path. Kind of sounds like Psalm 23, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff, they come for me, for thou art with me. How is he with us? By the Spirit of truth. By the Holy Spirit. And he comforts us. The enemy's there, but he gives us comfort. How many of you were scared, but simply by the presence of another person in the room gave you peace? He gives us comfort. The other thing in the way that he guides us is that he's our counselor. And he speaks to us. And when the big bad wolf, the big bad enemy, is there and his presence is giving us comfort, his word, your father loves you. Because the Spirit says that we can call him Abba, Father. And lets us know that we're a child of God. And he says, you don't have to worry. I've got you. The Holy Spirit is what is ministering to our heart and gives us that peace by speaking the word of God. He says, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. He's there. That's the Holy Spirit taking care of us in life. Guiding us. Now, big bad wolf, you can sit down.
And we go through life like that, and there's times where we'll be walking in life. The third one, the third way that he guides us, Mary, act like you fall down. Is he comes and he's our advocate. And he intercedes for us. As it says there in Romans 8, he's an intercessor. He's one that comes beside of us and picks us up and says, I've seen that you fail and that you're hurt, but I'm going to come right beside of you and give you strength. That's how he guides us through life. And those times when we need comfort, he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. He gives us peace. When we don't have understanding, He comes and speaks to us and leads us. Some of you need guidance today. And you've denied God's Spirit to speak to you. I don't know whether it's whether you think, well, I just need to see it to believe it. Or I just need to do it my way. The Lord wants to guide you and has given you His tools. He's given you the Word of God and He's given you the Spirit of truth to lead you. And you might say, I don't know what to do. Lean on Him and seek Him. Go to the Word of God in prayer. Read the Bible. Pray about it. Seek the leading of the Holy Spirit. And begin to follow Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. In sickness, you trust Him because you don't know how it's going to progress. You've got to trust Him. In family issues, you've got to just trust Him and let Him lead because there's times, as Dan said, families will separate on minute things. It's like walking on eggshells sometimes. But as we're walking... We say, Lord, I don't know which way to go. I don't know how this is going to end up. The Spirit of truth will guide you. As we stand this morning, they come and get a song of invitation. Seek the Spirit's work in your life. You say, I still don't understand how all this works together, Father, Son, Spirit. I'll give you this. I'll say you can come tonight and we're going to be preaching on the Trinity, Lord willing, and try to help you make some sense of that. But here's, here's, here's what I can say. Some things are above our pay grade. There's things beyond my, my level comprehension because God's so much bigger, I can't put Him in a box. And while I can't fully comprehend the vastness of God and what He's got available the vastness of the Spirit I can lay hold of it I can apprehend it as truth and what is real and what is needed in my life so why I can't comprehend what the Spirit is speaking to you right now I, you might not know what He's wanting to do in your life you may not understand the nudge that He's moving on you to pray Trusting. Seeking. 
listen to him. As they sing this morning, would you step out and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm on trust in you. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm on trust. As they sing, bow your heads with me. Uh-huh.